0: Welcome to Digital Jung, a podcast about living a symbolic life in a technological age. Man cannot stand a meaningless life. I'm Jason Smith, Jungian analyst and author of Religious But Not Religious, Living a symbolic life. And in this episode, we explore how paying attention to our dreams can help us to expand our experience of the depth and meaningfulness of life. It's the human soul, that's the buried treasure. One of the great challenges when it comes to the growth of the symbolic life is the fact that collectively we have forgotten the art of being in relationship with non-rational experience. That is, we don't know how to relate to that dimension of life that does not produce concrete certainties, but which presents itself to us as an other with its own autonomy and independence. And one such experience is that of the dream. And as with most non-rational occurrences, we tend to be fairly dismissive of the value of dreams. However, if we can suspend our judgment of them we might discover that dreams can be an excellent means for restoring our relationship to this depth dimension of life. Because of this value that dreaming holds for the cultivation of the symbolic life, I'm going to spend some time over the next several episodes discussing different aspects of this rich and important activity of the psyche. What follows in this episode was recorded back in May of 2016. It's the introductory section of a webinar that I held called The Science and the Art of Dreaming. And in it, I discuss how dream experiences open us up to a larger realm of being and challenge our usual sense of our identity. And I'm going to present this here just as it was recorded. And and you'll notice a distinct difference, of course, in the sound quality. And then I'm going to follow it up with some concluding thoughts. One quick note about the recording. This webinar was presented with a slideshow, which you'll hear me refer to, and obviously we have to do without the visuals here, but none of the content is lost because of that, with one small exception. At one point, you'll hear me refer to a line from a song by the band Creed without mentioning what it is. And just so you aren't left wondering, That line is this, when dreaming, I'm guided to another world, and it's from the song Higher. So here is the recording of the introduction to the webinar, and it begins with three stories. The first story comes from about the mid-1850s its march harriet tubman is a conductor on the underground railway and she's leading a group of slaves to freedom when suddenly she collapses and falls in into an involuntary sleep this is something that has been common for her ever since receiving a head injury earlier in her life and in these in these sleeps she has powerful dreams and Uh, She's begun to trust and listen to her dreams. And when she wakes up from this particular sleep, she begins to lead her group away from the road that they've been traveling on. She has seen the crossing of a river and a cabin on the other side in her dream. And even though her route seems to lead the group deeper into slave territory, they follow her on her zigzag path. They find the river crossing, just shallow enough for all to cross, and there on the other side is a cabin where they're sheltered by a black family. Later, the group learns that a posse had been waiting for them further down the road where they were traveling. Harriet Tubman's dream and her willingness to listen to her dream has saved all of them. The next story happens about a decade later it's early April 1865 Abraham Lincoln makes the following report to a friend he says about 10 days ago I retired very late I could not could not have been long in bed when I fell into a slumber for I was weary I soon began to dream there seemed to be a death like stillness about me then I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. He continues his report and describes how he searches the White House until he finds a coffin in the East Room with many mourners gathered around. He asks one of the soldiers who's guarding the coffin who it is that's dead, and the soldier replies, The president. He was killed by an assassin lincoln goes on to say i don't know why but this dream continues to vex me and not two weeks later lincoln would be assassinated the third story i want to tell it has a little bit of a different tone and it comes about a hundred years later and it's a young musician 1965 who dreams of a string ensemble playing a lovely tune And he wakes up and he writes the tune down but because he's dreamed it he's convinced that he must have heard it somewhere but when he plays the song for his bandmates they assure him it is in fact an original song and that song yesterday would go on to become one of the most famous songs and most recorded songs for paul mccartney and the beatles Now, granted these are fairly extraordinary stories but they make the point that there is something extraordinary about this experience of dreaming on the one hand it's an extremely common experience everybody dreams every night some people say they don't dream when in fact they don't remember their dreams and other people dream prolifically but everybody dreams on the other hand it's a very uncommon experience because it gives us access. Dreaming gives us access to an experience of life that is, seems to be behind or underneath the ordinary, everyday, waking experience of life. And this is the insight that was given to Lawrence Vanderpost. By the Kalahari Bushmen when he lived among them. They taught him uh, their experience of the world, which is that there is a dream dreaming us. Vanderpost was a South African writer and an explorer and a friend of Jung's. And this idea that there is a dream dreaming us was uh, very impressive to him. And really, if we take the notion that dreams are meaningful seriously, that they uh, bring new information and new perspectives, new and creative ideas to our consciousness, then our usual assumptions about the nature of consciousness are turned on their head. There is a dream dreaming us. And this is a, a line from the band Creed. We tend to assume that waking consciousness is primary and that our dreaming consciousness is sort of secondary, at best, maybe negligible uh, uh, at, at worst. Uh, for many people, it's a nothing. Dreams are the flotsam and jetsam of the psyche. But for uh, many people, like for instance, Edgar Allan Poe, the dream is the greater reality. And he says, all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. And this is uh, the insight that artists and philosophers and mystics, And psychologists have had since time immemorial that there is a dream dreaming us as the Kalahari Bushman taught and this is the same insight that came to Carl Jung in one of his own dreams and in that dream Jung is hiking through the mountains and he comes upon a hut and there in the hut is a yogi meditating in lotus posture And when Jung looks a little closer at the yogi, he sees that he has his own face and he realizes in that moment, aha, so he is the one who is meditating me. He has a dream and I am it. We do not create our dreams. We know that when we dream, we find ourselves Within the dream experience, dreams happen to us. We don't create our dreams. It would be more accurate to say that our dreams create us. There is a dream dreaming us. Uh, a, a similar insight can be found uh, in Taoism, in the uh, from the sage, the Taoist sage Chuang Tzu. There's a famous passage in which he dreams about being a butterfly and it goes like this. It says, once Chuang Su dreamt he was a butterfly, a butterfly flitting and fluttering around happy with himself and doing as he pleased. He didn't know he was Chuang Su. Suddenly he woke up and there he was solid and unmistakably Chuang Su, but he didn't know if he was Chuang Su who had dreamt he was a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming he was Chuang Tzu. And here is that uncertainty about which level of reality is the more real. Is our waking life, which seems so solid and so substantive, the, the real reality? Or is the world behind the world, that dream world, the dream that is dreaming us, is that more real? And Here's this is a question and it uh, here's Socrates uh, Pondering that very question and he says this he asks what proof could you give? If anyone should ask us now at the present moment whether we are asleep and our thoughts are a dream or whether we are awake and talking to each other in a waking condition and this indistinguishability between waking life and dreaming life is actually something we'll look at later this is one of the insights coming out of the neurosciences that there's a similarity between the way the mind thinks when it's waking and the way the mind thinks when it's dreaming so this is a a a very modern question as well Here is Shakespeare's version of this idea. We are such stuff as dreams are made on. And here is D.H. Lawrence. And he says uh, this interesting statement. He says, I can never decide whether my dreams are the result of my thoughts or my thoughts are the result of my dreams. But you see for Lawrence, this is not a beautiful thought. This is not uh, something that he feels enjoyment about. It's very much a disturbing thought. This quote comes from a letter that he wrote, and the letter goes on. He he says this, it's very queer, but my dreams make conclusions for me. They decide things finally. I dream a decision. Sleep seems to hammer out for me the logical conclusions of my vague days and offer me them as dreams it is a horrid feeling not to be able to escape from one's own what self diamond fate or something i hate to have my own judgments clinched inside me involuntarily but it is so and here lawrence is having this intuition that the dream proceeds from some deeper aspect of his being, from the self, or the diamond, or from fate. It it speaks to us from a larger aspect of ourselves. And as Jung said, that feels like a, a defeat for the ego, because if we really pay attention to dreams, we recognize that they make demands on us that sometimes they choose and decide things for us against our will, against what we think we want for ourselves. And I think this is part of the reason why, for many people, dreams are something to stay away from and why they've kind of fallen out of favor in our culture. Because we believe where there is a will, there is a way. But dreams are often working against Uh, our will. They're not so much an expression of what we want out of life, but they're more an expression of what life wants out of us. And if we pay attention to them, then we might have to change what we expect or what we want. And that can be very distressing, as uh, Lawrence points out. And of course, this is what Jung says. He, He says this very thing, that dreams uh, they don't necessarily tell us what we want to hear he says this in each of us there is another whom we do not know he speaks to us in dreams and tells us how differently he sees us from the way we see ourselves So. We have in all of this, witness after witness of this distinction between the dream world and our usual perception of the world. And by and large, they speak of the way that the dream brings a different way of experiencing the world into our consciousness. And all these witnesses point to how dreams have the potential to radically alter not only our perception of ourselves, but also our understanding of our place in the order of things. Each dream is a doorway, so to speak, to a level of experience in which the ego, the I, is no longer felt to be at the center Of things. They bring us in touch with and, in a sense, enfold us in the creativity of nature. And this is the view of Jungian analyst Marie Louise von Franz, who says this. She says, So at the source of the dream, there is a creative mystery which we cannot rationally explain. It's the creativity of nature. It's the same creativity which has created what man could never invent. The millions of species of animals and flowers and plants on the earth. The dreams are also like flowers or plants. They are something unique which you can only marvel at. And so one of the things that dreams can do is to help us shift from trying to grasp life through the application of knowledge to experiencing life through the lens of wonder. There's something unique which you can only marvel at. We don't so much have to understand life, as meaningful and as helpful as that can be, but we do need to be able to live life and to feel fully alive in our life. And though the dream is not the only route to this experience, it is one to which we all have regular and easy access. And it is one which can help us to make renewed contact with that wholeness of our being that so often gets lost and broken up among all the tasks and errands of our everyday world. All consciousness separates, writes Jung, but in dreams we put on the likeness of that more universal, truer, more eternal self dwelling in the darkness of primordial night. Until next time. You'll find information in the show notes for all the sources used in this week's episode, as well as links to connect with me on social media. Let's make this a conversation. If you have any comments or questions about anything you heard in this episode or that you'd like me to address in a future episode, send them to me on Facebook or Twitter. And finally, if you want a deeper dive into the kind of material explored on this podcast, please check out my book, Religious But Not Religious, Living a Symbolic Life. Available from Chiron Publications. Thanks for listening, and take good care.